enjoy. Well, it's all right, me enjoy, and I hope you enjoy. Now, we've, um, we've had some good songs already today, songs that you have to sing with gusto, and I hope that you haven't peaked yet, because there's more to come. And you're going to have to be on your feet, I'm afraid, uh, to start with as we, uh, as we, as we go. Um, some things you just can't do sat down. Some weeks here, I've felt like you kind of need springs on the back of on your chairs. To kind of, we've been up and down quite a lot, haven't we, throughout a service. But if you'd like to get to your feet, don your lycra, get your sweatbands on. <laughs> Father, we give you thanks, and we give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honour. We worship you today, and we give you our whole hearts. We thank you, Lord, as, as Jim has said, Lord, we thank you that you feed us, you nourish us, you give us life, and you breathe your very breath, your spirit within us, and we praise you, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Help us to, to receive from you again afresh, Lord, today. How you want to feed us, help us to take what you give to us whether it's from my mouth, whether it's what you speak to us directly, however you want to do it. Lord, this is your time, this is your house, and we are your people. So Lord, be present, Lord, as we know you are. Help us to centre our lives on you. Let me ask you this question. Please stay standing. It's important. Is God good? Okay. Or, is he great? Okay, that kind of sounded like the same as good to me. You know, I kind of expected maybe a little bit of elevation on there. But, you know, that's okay. This is my first time, your first time with me. That's okay, I'll let you off. But, who wants to advance it even further? Yes. To, yeah, oh, yes, that's it. Now we're getting the fire going. Is God... Amazing. Yes. Is he awesome? Yes. Oh yes, he is. Our God is an awesome God who reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power and love. Our God is an awesome God. So let's just sing that right now. Our God is an awesome God. God, He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom. awesome awesome god we worship you there is none above you there is none beside you all is below you and we give you praise lord we acknowledge who you are and where you are the sovereign ruler over all praise you lord praise you lord all right you can be seated now
Thank you. Yes, bless you. But don't think that's the end of it. So we've established, not that it was difficult, that our God is good. He is great. He is amazing. He is awesome. But how do you know he is good? How do you know he's good? You see, as believers, we can kind of find ourselves in a place where we accept these things and we know it's true, but we don't necessarily allow ourselves to go to that place that answers the question as to why. It's worth thinking about. Because there's many people out there who don't know that God is good. And it's up to us, not just to tell them, but to show them and to convince them. We've got this, the Bible. The Bible tells us that God is good. But even then, how do we know that the Bible is true? In Psalm 138, in verse 2, we need to understand something about God and what he thinks about the word. Because he elevates his name and his word above everything. And some translations even say that he elevates his word above his name. The way that I understand this is that The name of God, God's name, carries his reputation. And we know that, you know, the family name, you you carry the reputation of your family, maybe with your business name, you carry the reputation of your business. He underwrites the word with his name. He says, I am saying, in, in my faithfulness, in my eternal wisdom, that my word is true. But there's something else. This is a word that's going to carry through this. It's the word remembrance. We might better know the word testimony. Throughout scripture, there is a continual remembrance of all that God has done. Of how good God is. And we have, the last 2,000 years of remembrance, of testimony after testimony of how good God is, the things that he has done. But then, and to some extent, depends on how you look at it, perhaps even more importantly, there's your personal testimony. There's what God has done in your life. You carry that with you. God has been good in my life. So, he's good. We've established that. We can establish quite easily that as we look back, we've seen that he is good. But let me ask you another question. How do you know he is always good? Well, if scripture is to be believed, and it is, he says, For I, the Lord, do not change. In Malachi 3.6. And in Hebrews, it says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. That is absolutely pivotal, crucial, essential as we think about God of yesterday, today and into our future. Our testimony tells us that God is good in the past. And God never changes. The same yesterday, today and forever. So if he was good yesterday and he doesn't change, then he's going to be good today. And he's going to be good tomorrow. He's going to be good always. He has always been the same. Never changed. And has always been good. We know his word is true. Our testimony confirms the word and the word confirms our testimony. In my life, I've seen God do amazing things. I've seen how good he is. I have seen how good he continues to be in my life. And therefore, because he never changes, I have hope for the future. Hope is so important. Hope is what the world does not have. So where is the world going to find hope? It's looked everywhere. It's trying to manufacture it in everything. The world has tried everything and is still trying everything despite its continual failure to create hope. The only place the world is going to find hope is in you and in me. You, because Christ is in you, are the hope of the world. Get your capes on. There's some superhero work to be doing right now. And in 1 Peter 3, Peter says, he exhorts, doesn't he? He says, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Always. There is an important need to be ready. There's an important need for the preparation of ourselves to be ready to know, to ask ourselves these very questions. Why is God good? Why is his word true? Who am I to say that? People can argue as much as they like about the word, but they can't argue against your testimony. Your life is a place of remembrance. Your life is a testimony to God, to the, to the goodness of God, to the things that he has done in your life. So how are we doing? How are we doing with that? How are we doing with being a place of remembrance? Building that, establishing that in who we are. Are we thinking about the things that God has done and continually rejoicing over those things? 
If you remember in the Old Testament, when something significant happened, they would build an altar or they'd, they'd build a pile of stones or something. They would mark the moment and the place. And they would call that a place of remembrance. So that as other people would pass by, they would see that this was the place that this happened. And they would explain from generation to generation what that pile of stones was for, what that altar was built for. And this is what we are to do in our lives, is to establish, to erect an altar to God of a remembrance for the things that he has done. And the stones, every single stone is, is a testimony in itself. And we establish, we don't just have one stone in our life, one testimony. Your testimony isn't simply that Jesus came into your life, though that is perhaps the most important one. But it's about living a life of testimony, where day by day God moves in your lives. You see him, you encounter the goodness of God, and you establish another stone to put upon your altar to him. But we've got to take this to the next step because he is good and he never changes. But what he does and how he does it does change. And this is perhaps the, one of the most important things we need to get a hold of because we can get stuck in a place where we remember that God did something. And then as we, as we do what we do, which is the right thing to do, we look back and we hope again to see God move but we can get caught into this fixation of he's going to do it again the same way. But he doesn't. Because the God who never changes, changes. He moves things up. He stirs things up. He causes us to be uncomfortable and to challenge us. You see... If we're continually looking at the thing that God has done and, and waiting for that to happen again, we can miss the new thing that God is doing because he's doing it differently. And we have to have this, this thinking about us that allows us to rejoice in the good that he has done, but to keep our eyes open for the new thing that he wants to do in our lives. And the great thing about the fact that God never changes is that it means that we can trust him. But the thing about trusting him means well it kind of means normally you use that, that, that word trust when you're stepping into an uncomfortable place. When there's, a, when there's a level of uncertainty and you say to someone, okay, I'm going to trust you. Just like Jim and Joanna today, me standing here right now, they're like, we're going to trust you. <laughs> I hope I'm doing all right so far. <laughs> Trust is important because if God continually did the same thing, the same way each time, our faith would not be challenged and our faith would not grow. 
Because when all things are good, it's easy to give thanks. But can you give thanks when there's uncertainty? When we don't know? How many times do we read in scripture, we find the Israelites or the disciples in very uncomfortable places? Places that caused their faith to grow. It caused them to understand a little bit more about who God is, about who Jesus is. That even in this extraordinary situation, they can trust him. So that's why each time it's different. Testimony shows God in our past, but we cannot relive the past. And we can't live on the past either. Just in the same way, and I'm sure none of you today are going to be doing this, you cannot live on the memory of yesterday's meal. Who's had lunch? Oh, only a few of you. Okay, all right, well, I hope the rest of you are having tea then. But you wouldn't be coming here today going, oh, yesterday's lunch was so good. So good, you know. I'm not even going to eat today because yesterday's meal was so good. Now, you could. How long could you do it for? Or rather, how long would you do it for? Probably not more than 24 hours. In fact, it would even get to the point where you keel over. Because the body cannot live on the memory of yesterday's meal. But also, spiritually, we cannot live on yesterday's testimony alone. It might encourage us. It should encourage us. It will give us hope for what is still yet to come. But we cannot live in that place of yesterday. The other thing is, when you look back at a testimony, normally looking back at a testimony can often be uh, better than living in the testimony at the time because it's often an uncomfortable place because you're trusting God. But you look back. Now, if that was the only thing that you looked back to, there'd come a point where you were thinking, well, where is God now? Where is God today? God was present at that point in the past. Because he never changes, it means he is present here and now. Also means he's present in our tomorrow. Then the word say, it says, don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus wants us to live in the present, in the moment, that, the only moment that we can actually live in. We can't live in the yesterday and we can't live in the tomorrow. No matter how much the world is trying both at the same time. Because yesterday, well, we get to look back to the good old days. Tomorrow, well, we can always fix things tomorrow. But let's just forget about today, because it's a mess. That's how people live their lives. It's how people use their finances. It's, it's just how people live. But we get to be the people of today and say, God is here. 
God was here yesterday and he will be here tomorrow. We get to live there. Remembering the past, but not living in that place. We need to let him shape the future. And we can't, we're looking that way, we cannot walk this way. Jesus himself in Luke 9 says, No one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He doesn't say the one who has a plough and looks back, ploughs a wobbly furrow. Actually, it's a very strong statement. It says you're not fit for the kingdom. We cannot plough forwards while looking backwards. We need to press on, have our vision set forward. We need to go forward, remembering what is behind us, living in what has come from behind us, but moving forwards. It is the only way to go. It's the only way the scripture tells us to go. At the very least, it is to stand. But we're to go forwards. Paul said, and you'll know this from Romans, Romans 8. He says, for I am convinced. I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a good statement. It's long and it's a mouthful, but it's a good statement. And it's true. But how can he say that? He says, I am convinced. That is a strong word. Convinced. Well, I think we have a clue in what he says, because he says, in the midst of all of those nor things, he says, nor things present, nor things to come. He could say, I am convinced because he knows the past. Because of the past, I am convinced of the present and I am convinced of what is to come. Because God never changes. To not be so, if we're convinced of the testimonies that God has written into our lives, if we're convinced of the reality of those things, then we have to be convinced of today and we have to be convinced of tomorrow. Otherwise, we're in danger of calling God a liar which I don't think any of us want to do. The past is untouchable. It is done. It has happened. It cannot be changed. People can ignore it. They can try and rewrite it, but it doesn't change the fact that the past happened. Whatever God has done in your life, whatever has brought you to this place today and sat you on that seat is because of what God has done. Something, at least one thing in your past. That is what brought you here. It is untouchable. It's unrefutable. And the devil knows that. Which is why he will always challenge your present and your future. 
He will try and cause you to doubt your present and your future. To undermine it. But Jesus has dealt with it. And this is the point. Jesus has dealt with it all in the past. He has done it all. And because of that, I am convinced. I am convinced. Me, personally, I can't speak for any of you. You've got to decide for yourselves. But I am convinced of today and tomorrow. Not by what my eyes see or my ears hear or my body feels or what I observe or encounter. Not for any of the things of the world, but because of God. Because of what he has done, what he has said he has done, what his word says he has done, what I know he has done, and what I know you know that he has done. I am convinced. And I don't feel able to go forward unless I am convinced. Because I have said to Jesus, you have my life. You have my all. I have given my all to you. I am trusting you with my life. And if I'm not convinced of me giving my life to him, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start clawing it back. And which is what a lot of people do. A lot of believers do. They start trying to claw back the control of their lives. Trying to, you know, move this way and that way. Because they're not convinced. Because somehow the enemy has sown that, that lie, that doubt, to even make them doubt what happened in the past. We've got to be convinced. Do not lose your remembrance. And I know that you haven't. And I know that you haven't lost your remembrance of this place. There's books written. It's down in history. It's written into history. It happened. It took place. All that you remember happened in your life, in this place, and wherever those two things connected. It's happened. And I know that you're praying. Again, Lord. Again, Lord. And do you know what? I am convinced that he will. Absolutely unequivocally, wholeheartedly, faithful, believe he will. But it will not be the same. We can look back over the last 50 years and rejoice. Absolutely rejoice. But we've also got to look forward to the new thing that he is doing and that he wants to do. Don't lose your hope. Don't let your remembrance of the past prevent you walking into the reality of the hope for your future. God is always present. Past, here and now, and for always. That's his promise. He said he will never leave us. He is Emmanuel God with us, always. Yeah. Should we stand? Told you it wasn't over.
Where does this leave us? What shall we do? Where do we go from here? The writer of the Hebrews said, fix your eyes. Fix on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Paul in Colossians writes, set your sights on things above, not on earthly things. And Jesus himself said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We saw the kingdom behind us in our history. But the kingdom is in front of us. And the kingdom is with us because we carry it. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for all that you have done, for all that you have written into our lives. We thank you for every moment where we have had to trust you and you have come through. We thank you that your word is true. That you underwrite the word with your name and so we can trust your word. We thank you for what has been and we thank you in advance for what is still yet to come. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help us to stir up our faith. To be convinced that you are not just the God of yesterday, but that you are also the God of today and forever. That we would walk in that hope. That we would be able to carry that hope and always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have because you are the God who never changes. The same yesterday, today and forever. Always, always, from everlasting to everlasting, you are the same. And your love endures forever. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we enthrone you. We lift you high. We enthrone you in our lives. Lord, we establish, you, you establish, we allowed you to establish a throne in our lives and we make sure that you're seated there. Be enthroned in our lives. Be enthroned in our homes. Be enthroned, Lord, in our families. Be enthroned in this place, Lord God. Be enthroned in our towns, Lord, in Thirsk, in North Allerton, and all the places in between, all the places above and all the places below. Be enthroned. Be enthroned in our nation. Lord, be enthroned. We exalt you. We exalt you, Lord God. We magnify you. Magnify. We declare, Lord, your goodness. Lord, as creation itself declares your goodness, we join in that chorus. And we say yes and amen because you are good. Oh, Lord. 
Forgive us, Lord, where we have lost sight. Forgive us where we've allowed our vision to drop. Forgive us, Lord, when we've allowed the storms around us to take our eyes off you. But Lord, we remember Peter, that when he got out of that boat to walk on the water, while his eyes were on you, anything was possible. And so we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. Because in you, anything is possible. Anything is possible when I look at you in my life. Anything is possible when each of us does the same. Anything is possible that when we as a church fix our eyes on you and we know that when we do that, anything is possible in this place. We know that when we do that in our homes, in our towns, in our cities, in our nation, we know that anything is possible because we are convinced. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you. Holy Spirit, move us again. And it's not about living for the past or living for the future. It's about living for you, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy. Praise you. Praise you, Jesus.